0: Hello, and thank you for listening. It is Spotify wrapped season, so if I made it into your top podcast this year, please feel free to tag me in it if you post it. A few people have tagged me in theirs already, and I've been reposting them, and it's just really cool to see. Anyways, I think I want to try something different for the intros, because Spotify has a Q&A feature or I guess kind of like a comment feature now. I thought it would be cool to read one before we get into today's episode. So, someone commented on last week's episode, The Murder of Marilyn Depew, Where's Dennis? And Ashton said, isn't this the story that inspired the beginning of Jeepers Creepers? And yes, when I first found this case, that was one of the highlights that I had read was Dennis, you know, driving in his van and nearly rear-ending the couple who was minding their own business was what inspired that opening scene in Jeepers Creepers. And that was such a big highlight everywhere I read it, but I completely forgot to include it in my own episode. But I did actually look up the scene from Jeepers Creepers because I had never seen it before. And I was just like, oh yeah, that's crazy. But it was definitely far more exaggerated in jeepers creepers than it really was in real life, at least according to the couple that it happened to. I mean, obviously, it's a movie. But yeah, Dennis Depew's actions did inspire that opening scene, which, which is kind of what the case became known for, and I just completely forgot to include it in the episode, so that's on me. I think I got wrapped up in all the other details and aspects of the case that I just, it completely slipped my mind, so. And again, I'm sorry for making that a two-part episode. I know it was, like, very short episodes with, you know, a week in between them. That sucks. But I'm happy to say I'm actually caught up this week. I've already made an hour of bonus content for the Patreon, which will be relaunching in January. 2024, the power mortis tier anyways, and I already finished my script for next week's episode. So at least in the near future, there won't be any more delays or super short episodes. I've also been planning out like the rest of this year and the rest of next year in terms of episodes for the first time ever, and I'm really excited to cover a range of cases, especially ones that are extremely important historically. Okay, I'm rambling now, um, let's just get into it. Okay, this first story involves a very creepy bus driver. Hey guys, this is my second time posting on here, unfortunately. This happened a few years ago when I was 17. I used to visit my brother and sister in Tempe, Arizona during school breaks because my town was incredibly boring. While they were at work, I'd go off and do some exploring on my own. One day, I decided to get on a bus and head to the mall. The bus I got on was called the Orbit. They're free and they're small buses, like half the size of a regular one. It took two buses to get there with a stop at the station in between. I went and did my shopping and took the first bus back to the station. Whilst waiting for the second bus, I met this guy around my age and we made conversation. I asked him what bus I should take because I wasn't familiar with the streets, and he pointed me to the right one. I get on the bus and the guy gets on as well, and we continue our conversation for a while till he gets off. I put my earphones on and space out, watching the sun start to set. After a while, I realize that none of the streets look familiar to the ones I had seen earlier. I start to get a weird feeling in my stomach, so I pick up a map that they have available and notice I'm on the wrong bus. I get a little nervous, seeing how it was already getting dark, and to make matters worse, my phone was on 3%. I know the buses go in a circuit, so I just sit back and try to figure out what time I'll make it back to the station to see when I'll catch the right bus. As I'm reading the map, the last people on the bus get off, and the driver starts talking to me. Hey, he calls out from the front, are you lost? I was a little thrown off, but I told him that I had gotten on the wrong bus. He said okay, and then shortly after, he pulls into a really dark neighborhood and pulls over to the side of the road. I know buses usually have to pull over at stops for a bit if they're ahead of schedule, so I figured that's what the driver was doing. But instead, he gets up and starts to head towards me. He's a big man, around 6 foot, and maybe 200 pounds. He grabs a map, sits down right next to me, and starts asking me a lot of questions like, What bus are you supposed to be taking? Do you go to ASU? How old are you? I was trying to be courteous, but, as our conversation kept going, my heart was racing faster and faster. The last question he asked me made me start to tear up. Is anyone expecting you? I told him yes, my brother. He gets up and starts heading to the front. Finally, I thought. He gets to his seat and instead of sitting down, he shuts the doors and turns off the light in the effing bus. So I'm sitting there, shaking and crying in almost complete darkness, and I see the silhouette of his shadow head back to me and sit right next to me again. As soon as he sits down next to me, something in me snaps, and I jump up and run towards the doors of the bus as fast as I can, and I start banging and pushing on them until they open. I got out and ran and ran as fast as I could to a store or a restaurant because my battery was completely drained. As I'm running, I hear him yell out behind me, and then I see him drive by super fast. Luckily, he didn't stop again. I ran for several blocks until I reached a cell phone store and burst in there crying and asking for a charger. From there, I called my brother and he came to pick me up. I was on the complete opposite side of town, too. When my brother picked me up, I told him what happened, and he said he was going to call the bus company and report the driver. I should have been more careful, but at the time, I was just a naive teenager. Unfortunately, I don't know what happened to the driver, but I hope he got what's coming to him. So, creepy orbit driver, let's not meet ever again. Okay, this next story involves a crazy wife and stalker husband, according to the OP. So, a few years ago, I was coming back to work after taking some time off after an operation. I left a regional role for a contract one that meant a lot less traveling. It meant leaving a job I loved, but meant I could remain in transport-slash-facilities management at a senior level. For a while, it was great, but this was nothing like my previous role, and I wound up meeting an engineering supervisor, James. He was super helpful and 28 years older than me. It started friendly, wanting to sit together over lunch and taking breaks the same time as me. I liked to think I was a good manager, so I would bring coffee in for the guys on a Friday. But I did this randomly at all the sites, sometimes coffee, sometimes pizza. Then when I was coming through the garage, he'd stop me in front of all the engineers and hug me. They'd make jokes about how sweet it was, as he was an older guy, and they all thought it was sweet. I pulled one of the other managers and said, don't you think it's a bit full on? I was 30 at the time and just felt like he was super friendly. I was trying to fit in. This guy just says to me he's an old man. Lighten up." James started to follow me around the depot. The guys started drawing hearts on his coffee cups, and it just became a huge joke. I carried my own phone and a company one, and James would text quite late, asking if I was having a good night, was I out with friends, and all of that. All pretty harmless, But after 12 months of being there, I nipped in on a Saturday and was trying to catch up on work when he came in. James said he'd seen my car and wanted to know if I wanted company. He stayed a while and said he would be coming out for drinks next week. I replied and said, oh, I think it was just the management team going. And he said, yeah, but I checked in with Director Dick and he says a few engineers are coming too. So fast forward to the night that all these coworkers go out for drinks and this is what the OP says. That night, he touched me. He declared his disabled wife and him no longer had sex and basically, he told me he thought we should hook up. I was taken aback and said no. I had been telling my husband all along it was a bit creepy how fond he was and the guys were taking the mick. I broached my director and explained and he asked if I was on my period to be this moody about banter. I started working from the other sites more and stopped going for drinks with colleagues, as everyone kept saying how much happier he was and how it was just a crush. One day I left a meeting and James said, I'll jump in the car with you, as all the other coworkers split. I tried to disagree, but the coworkers said they were heading to another site, so we should just go together. James sent me pictures and told me he loved me. I didn't see the point in reporting this, as it was a boys' club, and my director had made it clear I needed to suck it up. It was becoming harder and harder as I couldn't block his number because it was a work phone. I hated going into work, and the rumors were fueled by him. The final straw was when he turned up in a full-kilt get-up where myself and my girls were having a drink and joined us. My husband was going mad, and I said I would leave. It just wasn't worth it. There were other issues with this company, and I knew I wasn't going to be staying. I took some time off over Christmas, and I could bore you with the other ways he made my life hell. I would do inspections and end up trapped in the pit with him. He agreed to run a charity run I was doing so that we would be away overnight together. So I pulled out. I got a job offer for a smaller company with a guy who ran it being a belter. He was so family and all about the engineering. Although this was a huge pay cut and I would be losing my car, I was seriously considering it. I returned to January and got pulled in by the director. I sit down and start to explain to him how well we had done and how well the staff was, that I had finished the contract bid and got it signed. He cut me off and told me there had been a complaint. James's wife had contacted HR and told them I had booked hotels on my company card and had nights away with her husband and all kinds of crazy stuff. She was apparently sobbing on the phone and saying that I needed to be investigated. There was also an allegation of handling stolen goods and having alcohol on site. I could have cried. They carried out their investigation and James decided he would ignore me, be rude and dismissive to me in front of staff, and generally go on like a horrid person. I waited for the team to come and breathalyze me and carry out a drug test. The supervisor that had given me the wine as a gift for my husband helping him with his decoration stuck up for me. Also, most of the management team who worked for me and engineers did go to bat for me, but I handed my notice in. James didn't speak to me, but then the messages started. His wife had found me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. She was also messaging my husband. At first, I tried to ignore it, as I had a leave date for three weeks' time and just thought, soon enough I'll be away from this nightmare. Then she stepped it up and contacted my future employer, meaning the director had mentioned to someone where I was going. My new employer was amazing and told me to contact the police. I think I had just wanted to stop being embarrassed, so I hadn't even thought of that. So, I did. The police said they couldn't really do a lot as they hadn't threatened me. And I sobbed, telling them I could prove where I was when I was supposedly with her husband. The officer was amazing and said what he could do is go and, quote, have a word. It then got super crazy, and his daughter sent me and my husband messages. These were threats and the officer went back out. Then it all went quiet. One of the guys from my old job contacted me and said, you know, he was seeing someone else. Apparently, when James got caught and his wife saw the messages he had sent to me, he didn't want to admit to the other messages he was sending other women. He could have blown up my entire life, and I know now, at 33, I wouldn't take this kind of nonsense again. I still work for the quote-unquote family guy, but I am super careful. I don't go for drinks when the team does, and I don't joke with them and probably come across like a dull shite but I don't want to ever meet him or cause that again. I know there were things I could have done differently, and there are so many things I missed that proved James was nuts. Okay, that story was grammatically not written the best. It was kind of difficult to read, so I hope I did make it understandable to most of you. This next story will probably make you think twice about picking up a hitchhiker. I took in a hitchhiker that turned out to be crazy. As in, legit crazy. I won't ever do that anymore, and hopefully my experience will discourage you to do so as well. I would like to apologize in advance for my mistakes since I am not a native speaker. I will try my best to tell this properly. I live in a foreign country, and I don't know about your country's sanitary measures against the epidemic, but at that time we were no longer confined. It happened in September of this year. I was driving from my parents' house to a friend's apartment near our college campus. It was an hour and a half drive there. We had plans to spend the week together after not seeing each other for months. Even though the incident is not related to my friends in any way, it just hit me how dangerous it actually was when I started telling them what had happened. I remember one of them saying this must have been the worst 45 minute drive of my life. I laughed at it back then, but it hits me now how true it was. I left quite late that day, around 9 p.m. I remember the sun had already set, and I was going to arrive late, which I didn't like. But I was used to the road as I had often taken it. For some context, it was an hour and a half drive, and I would usually stop midway in a McDonald's parking lot to smoke a cigarette before carrying on. This is important for later in the story. I saw the hitchhiker not long after I left my parents' house. I had driven for 10 to 15 minutes or so, when I saw him at the exit of a roundabout. It was a tall, slender guy, with one of those tiny shoulder bags guys wear across the chest. I thought it was a guy in his 20s that had just been dropped off by his friends on his way back from a party or something, which was stupid because it was still too early for a party to end. But that's the first thought I had and I immediately felt sympathy and stopped. I opened the passenger window and asked where he was going. I realized right away that he was way older than I thought, at least in his 30s. He had a really pale face, and the way he looked at me honestly freaked me out. The guy was going in my direction, to the town where I would stop midway to take a break. I don't know what I was thinking, to be honest. I just responded automatically that it was on my way, and he opened the door. And then I had the worst 45 minutes of my life. I don't mean to be dramatic, but it really was hell. I knew right away I had made a mistake as I drove off because as soon as I started driving, he held his stomach tight, crouched himself in the passenger seat, and started rocking back and forth, saying he wasn't feeling good. I offered to open the windows for some fresh air, and he said he just had to take his meds. But he didn't. Saying I felt uncomfortable is an understatement. I remember thinking I had screwed up and whatever happened, I should not stop under any circumstances. The first thing I did was ask him if he would be okay if I dropped him off at the city's McDonald's. It had a lit parking lot, there were many people there until midnight, Also, I could leave immediately onto a faster road. I think he agreed, but either way it didn't matter, because I wasn't planning on stopping elsewhere. I was already freaked out, but I pretended to focus on the road and tried to appear as calm as I could. He kept talking during this whole time. I don't remember in what order it happened exactly, but I remember he asked me if he could look at my nails. I had no nail polish. To which I responded, I was driving. He apologized, said I shouldn't worry because he had never raped anyone. He told me his girlfriend was mad at him, wanted to break up with him if he didn't come back. He asked where I was going, what I was planning to do tonight, if I was planning to have a long steaming bath, if I had a boyfriend, and how we liked to do it as in intercourse. I responded that that was private and I did not want to answer. He nodded, said he used to be young too, until he got arrested. This is not a typo. Young until arrested were his words. He insisted twice that we were followed by cars. He asked me if I smoked weed. And I said no. He offered me a cigarette. I said that was nice, but he didn't have to. He left a cigarette on the dashboard. He took out his phone at one point and wanted to show me a picture of him, and a picture of his mom, saying she was beautiful. I took a quick glimpse, and the freaking phone was broken, like it had multiple straight black lines of broken pixels, and it was reddish on the left and yellowish on the right, which made the picture really creepy. He got mad at that point because I was just taking a quick glimpse, and he started talking louder, saying I didn't give a fuck about what he was saying. I straight up said, I am listening. I can't watch. I'm driving. He calmed down immediately, said, okay, sorry, and wanted to show me another picture. He asked if this was my car. I said, no, it was my parents. Somehow I did not want him to think I was rich or had any kind of money. I am just a poor old in-debt student. Leave me alone. I told him I hit a deer last week, which is a lie. My mom had, but that memory came in handy, and that I was trying to focus and pay attention because I didn't want to break my parents' car. I had hoped he would shut up, but he didn't. At some points, he would just straight up stare at me, and he muttered, poor thing. He then straightened up and pointed to a road sign in panic, saying, I meant the road sign, poor road sign. Honestly, I think at that point, I was thinking if he ever tried anything, I would crash this car, and both of us, into a tree, because if I could not make it out, neither would he. I am ashamed to say this, but I didn't want him to get out of it easily. He screamed his name was Archangel Michael. He asked my name. I gave him a fake one. He said something like, Michael, right? And crouched himself again in panic, rocking back and forth saying I shouldn't know his name. I just said, okay? To be honest, that was the only thing I would say in the end. When we came into the city where he had to stop, he asked if I could take him to the train station. It was almost 10pm and I knew there were no trains no lights, and surely no other cars or humans present. I told him that we had already agreed to stop at the McDonald's. He nodded, yes, yes. He put a coin on the dashboard next to the cigarette. I stopped in the parking lot and did not park, just stopped right there in the middle of the way where I felt it was the most exposed. He just left saying, see you later, and I drove away very fast, never saw or heard of him again. I hope you will never take a hitchhiker in. I know I won't ever again. Also, crazy psycho hitchhiker, let's not meet again. This next story is a warning. T.L.D.R. Stay the F out of Aluchua, Florida rest stops. I'm a proud Floridian. At the time of this story, early 2000s, I was going to college in South Florida, and lived with my family in my hometown in the Florida Panhandle. It's about a seven-hour drive up through central Florida to get between the two places, so I mostly only went home for the holidays. It was Thanksgiving of my junior year, and I was excited that I had managed to rearrange my midterms to be able to leave campus three days ahead of everyone else. I was expecting to beat the masses of traffic and was hoping for a quick trip back home. My roommates wanted to have a last meal together before we all left for break, so I ate in the campus dining hall around 4 p.m., and I set off for my journey around 5.30 p.m. Around 10 p.m., I had just passed my two-thirds mark, where I always stopped at this little mom-and-pops type of diner by the side of the highway to grab a snack, use the restroom, and call my dad to let him know I was okay. I didn't have a cell phone yet. Well, I hadn't been there since summer, and the place was out of business. So, a little bummed out that I wasn't getting my chocolate chip pancakes, I just kept going. There really wasn't much built up around there at the time, so when I saw signs for a rest stop, of all the places on God's green earth, some bum town called Oluchua. So I went and parked directly under the streetlight for safety and used the facilities, called my dad, etc. I didn't see anyone else there, except for a very exhausted-looking woman who approached me asking for directions saying she was with her husband and two small children from Virginia, and they had made a wrong turn trying to get to Disney. So I left the rest area and was walking back to my car when I noticed a beat-up, unmarked, gray or bluish work van parked this close to the driver's side of my 95 Honda Civic. Yeah, okay, I thought, that's pretty weird. It had Florida tags on it, so it couldn't have been the ladies I talked to in the bathroom. I distinctly remembered she said she was from Virginia. I turned around and hightailed it back to the rest stop, promptly running into some random middle-aged guy with two little boys. Getting to talk to him, it turned out it was his wife I had spoken to as she emerged from the bathroom a second later, and I felt comfortable speaking to him. I told him what was going on with the van and how I didn't know what to do. He said he'd go check it out. So he left the kids with his wife and strutted up to the driver's side of the van. He stood there for a moment before speaking, his voice awkwardly quivered, but we could hear him yell it from where we were standing some 100 feet away Quote, "excuse me gentlemen we already called the police so i'm going to have to politely suggest that you get out of here" and then he ran back to us grabbed his wife and his kids pointed to me with a swift "you" and said "come on let's all get in the car now" and we ran together so here i was confused sitting in the back of this stranger's suv while he went and used the payphone to presumably call the police Meanwhile, the van peeled out of there. Like, I have never seen someone get the F out of there quite like they got the F out of there. They ran up on the curb on their way out. They burned rubber. It was almost comical. The cops got there, and I found out what happened. The man went to go check out the van, and he could see in it pretty well because I had parked under the streetlight. The first thing he noticed was that all of the seats except for the driver's seat had been removed. There was a guy sitting in the driver's seat and a guy sitting in the back. A tarp laid out in the back, and a bunch of other random items back there he couldn't immediately identify. Neither of the guys were reading a newspaper or a map or anything. They were apparently both just sitting there. It still makes me sick thinking about it. So, creepy guys in a van, let's never meet. This next Let's Not Meet story is about a nice Christmas Eve drive. This happened over 20 years ago. I was driving back home with my girlfriend at the time. It was Christmas Eve, and my mother's family used to hold a large celebration at my aunt's house in Estacada. This was my girlfriend's first time meeting with my extended family, but she got on quite well with them. We spent the majority of the afternoon and evening talking, playing poker, opening presents, and drinking an assortment of adult beverages. My girlfriend had been quite inebriated by the time we had to leave, therefore I'd be driving us home. It was around 11 p.m. or so. I was driving my girlfriend's car along Highway 211. Now, this stretch of road is surrounded by farms and dense patches of forest, and parts of it are unlit, but nothing to fear. I grew up in this area, so I knew this road like the back of my hand. The both of us were just driving and talking away, just two young lovers making the most of our moment together. There is a portion of the highway that descends down an enormous hill, before crossing Deep Creek. Surrounding both sides of the road are thick forests. There are no lights. The only thing we could see was the area directly in front of our headlights. I drive down the hill, cross the bridge, and uphill through more forest. It's as the highway starts to flatten out that it happens. Something sprints across the road, so suddenly that I almost hit whatever it was. I slam on the brakes. I turned to my girlfriend and asked her if she saw it. She confirmed that she had, but she couldn't make out what it was. Maybe it was a coyote, as they are a fairly common sight in the area. But something felt off about it. Whatever it was that ran in front of the car disappeared into the woods next to the road. Coyotes don't usually just dart out in front of cars. Not like that, anyway. For some reason, I decided to check it out. I turn the car around and switch on the high beams to better light up the forest in which this thing had vanished in. I step out of the car and walk towards the woods. I don't see anything. By now it feels like perhaps I've made a grave error. My heart is pounding and the hairs on the back of my neck are standing at full attention, but I still don't see anything unusual in the trees. Suddenly the car's horn blasts. It's not a beep, beep, beep that you'd get if, say, your driver or passenger wanted you to hurry up and get in the car. No, this was a long, blaring, Beep! I'm sorry, I just had to say it like that, that's, that's how they wrote it. I walk back into the car and ask my girlfriend why she leaned on the horn like that. She said nothing. Instead, she pointed to a spot about 50 feet from where I was standing. I looked over in that direction, and that's when I saw it. Surely this was the thing That ran out in front of our car. It was a man. He was completely naked. His skin was covered in dirt and mud, and in one of his hands, he was holding a hatchet. He looked back at us, and then he smiled and waved to us just before turning around and walking back into the forest. Needless to say, we got the hell out of there. Once we were safely driving again, my girlfriend explained what had just happened. While I was trying to look for the man in the area he initially vanished in, he circled back around and came out from another spot in the forest, beyond my car headlights. My girlfriend had seen something out of the corner of her eye, and that's when she saw him. Before she honked the horn, he was walking towards me, his hatchet raised as if about to strike me. We called the authorities once we got safely back home, but they never found anybody, or they did and just didn't tell us. But the officer we spoke to explained his theory. The man was obviously looking to ambush unsuspecting lone travelers for lord only knows what reason. We all agree that my girlfriend's quick thinking saved my life, as it let my potential killer know that I wasn't alone out there. I moved back into the area recently, so I now drive that highway often. No naked hatchet man sightings yet, but I can tell you that I'm definitely extra vigilant now, especially near Deep Creek. This next story also occurred on Christmas Eve, but this time at the OP's home. This happened in 2019. I was in my second year of college and living in a townhome about a 10-minute walk from campus. I lived with two other girls at the time, but they were all back at their parents' house for the holiday. I work in healthcare and was working Christmas this year. A little bit of a backstory. There used to be four of us living there, but one girl had moved out due to issues with her boyfriend. He was a jackass who abused our kindness on allowing him to stay there. He was only supposed to come every so often, but basically ended up living there. We told her she needed to kick him out. After an incident with him one night, after he got physical with her and verbally abusive with the rest of us, she wouldn't listen and we told her we would have to talk to the landlord then. Long story short, she ended up moving out and left on bad terms with us. On another side note, I have been in a physically-slash-mentally-abusive relationship before, so I understand how things may have been going for her. I tried my best for two years at that point to help her open her eyes to the abuse and get her away from him. At this point, it was affecting everyone, and we didn't feel safe with him there, etc., so she moved out. Okay, back to the story. It was Christmas Eve, and I worked the next day, So, I was getting ready for bed, locked the doors, turned the lights off, and went downstairs where my bedroom was. I was scrolling on TikTok for about an hour. It was Christmas Day at this point. When I heard what sounded like the chairs in the kitchen move, the kitchen is right above my bedroom. I thought maybe I was hearing the neighbors next door, as we share the same walls and sometimes they can be loud. But then I remembered one of them texting me asking me to bring in a package they were expecting. They were all gone. The noise was short-lived, and so I just brushed it off. Next thing I know, my bedroom door is being opened slowly. In this moment, I get a flashback and remember my second grade teacher telling us about the time someone broke into her house, and she acted as if she was asleep, so if they were just there to rob her, they wouldn't feel the need to hurt her if she saw them. But my freaking phone screen is lighting up my scared, jaw-dropped face, so I can't act like I'm asleep. Where I'm laying in bed faces directly to the door, so we're just looking right at each other. So there I was, laying in my bed, shitting myself, while this guy has one foot in my bedroom with the door cracked open. It felt like an eternity, but in reality was probably like 10 seconds of us looking at one another. He slowly takes his foot out and closes my door. I sit there just in complete, utter shock. I couldn't make out what he looked like, as my eyes were adjusting to the dark again from the phone screen. All I could see was a backwards baseball cap. I knew I had to call the police, but my anxious ass knew if I called, it would alert my parents' phones that I called. Me, being dumb as hell, was like, well, I don't want to make them worry. Also, I was scared he might still be somewhere in the house, and I didn't know what he would do if he heard me call. So I text the guy I was seeing at the time and tell him, some random guy just broke into my house and came into my room. He snapped me out of it and told me to call the police. So I did. The dispatcher asked me if I felt comfortable to go unlock the front door for them so they didn't have to break it down, and I told her, no way. I don't care if the door is broken. I'm not going up there alone. A couple minutes later, I see flashlights shining through my window. I hear the police knocking at the door and announcing themselves. They got in and asked me where I was. I came out of my room and they came and got me. They told me to wait on the back porch while two of them searched the house and one stayed with me. It was like that shit you see in the movies where they have their guns and they turn the corner with their partner and everything. They didn't find anyone, and I said nothing looked like it had been taken. They even tried to get fingerprints but were unsuccessful. They then started asking me questions and informed me that the back door was unlocked and had no signs it had been broken. I told them I locked it. Luckily, the guy I was talking to stayed with me that night, but I still couldn't sleep. I kept having to go check every inch of the house over and over. I placed chairs under the door handles on the front door, back door, and my bedroom. The next day, I informed our landlord, and she refused to come out and change the locks, and she never ended up changing them for the rest of the time we lived there. Every time I go to bed now, I triple check all the doors. It doesn't matter where I am. I have a dog now, and he helps my anxiety of intruders, as well as a recent purchase of a ring doorbell. I believe it was our old roommate's boyfriend. I think they may have made an extra key for him, because he was basically living there. But I don't understand why he didn't do anything to me, the house, or our belongings. If it were someone random, I don't know why they wouldn't have done what they intended, and that could be many different possibilities. I don't know what their intentions were that night, but to the man who broke into my house on Christmas Eve, let's not meet again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm going to end it here. But before I go, shout out to the new Accomplice Patreon members Ruben Sanchez, Mandy Brittany McColhy, I hope I said that right, Lau, and Ben Pai Notice Me. Thank you all so much for becoming members of the Accomplice tier. If you also want a shout out at the end of the podcast, ad-free episodes, early episode drops, when available, or you just want to support the podcast and support me, then please consider becoming a Patreon member. But of course, always take care of yourself first. That's about it. I hope you all have a good day, evening, or night. Goodbye.